Attention, Pokemon players. You are listening to Triple P, the Pittsburgh Pokemon podcast. I am your host, Jake Abrams, alongside Nick Yurko, a.k.a. the Duke of Hobbies. All right. Well, unfortunately, today the Duke of Hobbies can't show up, but we do get a last minute uh, recruit in here. And we got Chuck, the, uh, our whimsy watch. How are we doing today, Chuck? Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, having a pretty good weekend day. Uh, just finished up our first team challenge event this week. Yes. Weekend. Uh, I managed to win. So Congratulations. Team member. Very uh, awesome. Santa Scorch helped me out. So <laughs> I, uh, I believe there was a story behind that Santa Scorch choice. Uh, uh, cash man might have, you know, built the deck and I just kind of took it and I was like, this looks like a good idea for today. So thanks cash. Yeah. Thank you, cash. (laughs) How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Got my vaccine this week. Uh, my first dose, my arm just finally started getting better. Um, it really kind of hurts. It takes a little bit of, uh, the strength out of your arm for sure. Um, but I'm excited to get, you know, my first dose and hopefully the second dose here in a few weeks and be, you know, COVID safe, uh, as safe as you can be at this time. Um, but on top of that, I actually finally, after probably like five tries, uh, made cut at a chill series t- uh, tournament, ended up making t- top 35, unfortunately didn't get um, beyond or too far beyond phase two. Um, but no, I was excited that I finally broke through and made cut. I was playing welder Mewtwo. So we're both having some success with some welder. Yeah. But that's enough about us. Um, we have a very special guest on, and I think most of you guys probably heard of this guy, um, tricky Jim himself, Andrew Mahone. Broken deck alert. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, what's up guys. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast and, uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, thank you for coming on. Um, so for those who don't know who you are or just uh, maybe don't know some in-depth stuff, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, uh, my name is Andrew Mahone. I've been a competitive Pokemon trading card game player for coming on about 10 years now. I started in, uh, in 2012 uh, when Noble Victories was released. That was my first pre-release event. And, uh, I, you know, it's such a very vivid memory for me because uh, I remember walking into this, uh, this, this, you know, hobby shop and just knowing nobody and just being really excited and scared and nervous. And, uh, you know, I, it was actually, uh, outside of Pittsburgh and, and, uh, yeah. And, um, and I walked over to a group of people, this dude, Danelle, uh, was there. And I remember asking him, I was like, you know, for, for pre-release, do I have to, you know, did I have to bring my own trainers? Cause I don't have any Pokemon <laughs> catchers, you know I mean? It's just like, uh, so yeah. And they were super nice and they're, they're very helpful and, uh, kind of helping me. Um, I was, I was hooked after that. Uh, I got into, you know, my first event, um, you know, just kind of looking around online, you know, figuring out that there was a scene, I was a competitive runner leading into it. Um, but now, you know, fast track 10 years yeah that started yeah. there got hooked started grinding tournaments you know won a regional in in 2015 started writing articles in you know 2015 for poka beach um then started working with darium's uh competitive pokemon darium's pokemon channel in 2017 uh right after finishing the top eight of the north american international championships and then transitioned into um, 
transitioned into, into having my own Twitch and YouTube channels in right around 2018. So about three years now, I've been uh, flying solo, doing my own thing. Um, was a teacher for a long time during that, uh, you know, during that uh, kind of original grind when I was when I was starting to play Pokemon. I was a photojournalist for some mm-hmm. time. I was a teacher for some time, kind of hopping around odd jobs, figuring out what I wanted to do with my life. I have an art degree. So, uh, <laughs> you know, just uh, doing, you know, uh, doing this and doing that, valeting cars, you know, uh, waiting tables, uh, all sorts of stuff. But then, you know, um, got into content creation, fell in love with it, was like, this is my, this is my thing. This is my zone. This is what I want to be doing. Um, you know, I've been editing video and doing Photoshop and stuff like that since I was a teenager. It was my passion mm. growing up and, uh, it was a natural fit for me. So eventually got to the point where I was you know, paying for my graduate school with YouTubing and then, uh, and then was like, well, you know what, I could just do YouTubing and Twitch streaming yep. and, and hopped into that. Now I'm a full-time Pokemon content creator and it's really exciting. Started doing work for the Pokemon company international this year. Uh, it's been a big step and, uh, I'm sponsored by full grip games and, uh, you know, I've got a full time, you know, full-time sponsorship with them where, uh, they support me financially. Uh, to help them advertise with shop and it's yeah. uh it's basically a dream it's a dream job for me uh this is just uh, i'm living the dream so for sure Great. no that's awesome <laughs> um yeah i know during during lunchtime i like to you know i have 30 minutes to usually sit down and i get to you know catch 30 minutes of your early morning uh streams which is nice and and i feel like a lot of times i get a head start of like whatever deck that you you might be posting on youtube later i'm like oh, i got at least a, a good a good guess of what's going <laughs> going on especially when new sets hit um it's pretty interesting um, but yeah what's up Trey? i was gonna say i always base what i might see in the evening of what i see at youtube i don't when i'm working i don't get the the chance to watch the stream but I'll catch the YouTube video every day and I'm like, all right, oh, Tricky Jim's got a, a Salamance video today. I'm going to see Salamance on the ladder. So, yep, <laughs> that is for sure. <laughs> okay. And so now we have uh, here at Triple P, we have a standard set of four questions that we like to ask each guest for the first time they've been on the cast. Um, and that being the first one will be um, what's your favorite starter, Andrew? Favorite starter Pokemon has to be Squirtle. Uh, you know, just uh, played it when I had my first Pokemon game, Pokemon Red. I uh, probably played that game well over a thousand hours. <laughs> play through with Squirtle, you know, uh, beat it, start over, play it again. Uh, it took up, you know, a significant chunk of my of my childhood. And looking back, what's hilarious to me is that I would like play through with Squirtle and then I would like dump my Pokemon onto Pokemon Stadium because you could like put the cartridge in and then yep. like, you know, put your Pokemon. And then I would just restart, right? But I would just do it again with Squirtle. <laughs> I wouldn't even like, I, I, what I would do instead of playing with different starters, I would like play with Squirtle and then I would uh, evolve it into Blastoise, get like a level 100 Blastoise. And then I would like play through with Squirtle and I'd be like, I want to be like Ash. And I'm like, not going to evolve my Squirtle. And I would just like get a level 100 Squirtle. Yeah. And, you know, beating the Elite Four with like a Squirtle. Nice. And then uh, and then I would like do it with War Turtle. I want to get like a level 100 War Turtle now, you know, because yeah. 
And I would kind of like role play as I was like, you know, I'm going to be like Ash and like, you know, develop this bond with my war turtle. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and I'm sure that like my love and, you know, and passion for war turtle will make it just as strong as my Blastoise because, you know, <laughs> I was 11 years old and had no concept of stat points and IVs and things like that. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but in my mind, the Squirtle and the War Turtle were just as strong as Blastoise. So. Well, and definitely I, Squirtle. Yeah, yeah, Squirtle was mine too. So it was, that's definitely a great choice and, and a popular one. I think I've heard a couple other people pick Squirtle as well. So, yep. all right, I, the original anti-meta choice because everybody <laughs> loves Charizard, right? So you're like, oh, yeah. I beat all my beat all my homies who love Charizard <laughs> with my level hundred Squirtle. <laughs> with my level hundred Squirtle. Yeah. <laughs> so let's take. Uh, starters out of the picture, but you can still pick one if you want. But what's your just favorite Pokemon in general out of all of them? It's definitely Zapdos. Uh, I've loved okay. Zapdos for, uh, you know, since the original red and blue games. And uh, I just, it's such a memorable scene going into the power plant and catching that uh, legendary bird. I just always thought he was the coolest one of the three. I also really liked Articuno, but Zapdos kind of stuck with me. Um, and uh, I really love Zapdos' new form, Galarian Zapdos. Yes. It's actually, uh, you know, I, it has kind of confirmed my love for Zapdos as a Pokemon. Uh, I'm not sure if I like Galarian Zapdos or regular Zapdos better. <laughs> I, I think I need to, it would be unfair of me to just hop ships and just be like, oh, Galarian Zapdos is the best form. But, I, <laughs> you know, in my mind, Galarian Zapdos and Zapdos are more or less the same Pokemon. Uh, and That's I just it. love Zapdos' new form. And Galarian Zapdos, you know, For I love sure. both of them the same. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of Zapdos. He's definitely the best bird in my eyes yeah, of the three. Um, so now let's take it. Let's go. What's your favorite Pokemon card in the TCG? It doesn't have to be standard. You can go back to any card throughout time. Favorite card. It could also be for artwork. It doesn't have to be a playable or a great card. Um, awesome. For sure. It's definitely Rocket Zapdos, which kinda, <laughs> uh, was a card I had as a kid. Uh, I had a Japanese Rocket Zapdos. I thought it was the coolest card I'd ever seen. Uh, you know, legendary Pokemon, artwork's incredible. It was a Team Rockets Pokemon. And, you know, when you're like 11 years old and you're like, yes, yeah, Team Rockets Pokemon, you know, I mean, uh, and all of the cards kind of came out in Japanese first they still do I mean the cards come out in Japanese first but yeah. like uh you would get you know as a kid you would get a sneak preview of like what was coming mm -hmm. because you'd see what was coming in the Japanese sets and like yeah I wasn't on the internet when I was 10 or 11 you know what I mean so like it was all just like lore you know you'd kind of you go to your friend's house and you'd see a card you'd never seen before and it was insane right and yep. uh uh, you know, or your, somebody would have a magazine and you would like see something in a magazine that you'd never seen before. Right. Um, so I remember just seeing the rocket Zapdos and just being like, ah, oh, that's the coolest card I've <laughs> ever seen, you know, period. So, uh, it's definitely my favorite card. And then, uh, about five years ago, it's longer ago than that. It had to have been seven years ago. Um, I was in a random card shop and they were selling you know first this first edition uh mm -hmm. gym challenge packs right uh they had two and i bought one for myself and one for my girlfriend at the time and my favorite pokemon is zapdos right yeah and out of my i kid you not is it was like fate 
My favorite Pokemon, Zapdos. Her favorite Pokemon at the time was Raichu. Out of our packs, I opened Rocket Zapdos, first edition, Hollow. <laughs> and out of her pack, she opened first edition Lieutenant Surge Raichu. Jeez. And yeah, so I ended up getting my Zapdos graded, and it's a it's a PSA 10. So that is my favorite card. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, I think nice. it only That's be great... that awesome. That's a great story. Uh... <laughs> and the, what's even better is that the first edition packs were $15 a piece. Oh geez, I don't even want to know how much. years ago, I don't even know. I don't even want to know how much they're worth now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh geez. Okay. Well, that's an awesome, awesome story. Um, uh, going to our last standard question: What would be, in your opinion, the worst Pokemon card? Um, it could be uh something that's standard legal now or just in the past. So, what is the worst card that has been printed for Pokemon? The worst card, probably the worst card that's ever been printed for Pokemon. Oh, it, that's a really tough question because you've kind of got these existential questions about the game, you know, should Shaman EX have ever been printed, mm -hmm. right? Uh, because, you know, kind of one of my gut instincts is to immediately go to like Lysander's Trump card. But Lysander's Trump card was a card that existed for a while, right? Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't broken. It was actually legal when I won my regional championship in 2015 and my opponent like played it and it's not a big deal because you couldn't draw enough cards for that card to be broken. So it just yeah. didn't matter. Uh, yeah, it could give you infinite resources and could create grindy games, but that wasn't necessarily a bad thing because it was very hard to exploit that. But then Shaman EX came out and all of a sudden, you know, exploiting these infinite resources in your deck became uh very easy to do so like mm -hmm. shaman ex i think you know was a problematic card with some of the other cards that had existed uh shaman ended up getting banned um you know but there were there's been more powerful draw cards than shaman that have existed there's an azelf uh azelf mesprit uh, now i'm shot mesprit mesprit oh, oxy it's one of the three. Okay. We can't help <laughs> one it. Of the, we're one of the links. I know. Sword and Shalon. Shalon. Like, I know. <laughs> people, people listening are going to be like, yo, you're new. Uh, it's, I, I want to say it's Uxi, but uh, it allows you to fill your hand to seven when you bench yeah. it. So it's like better than Shaman. Um, but that card wasn't broken during its time. Uh, obviously, the kind of like, vanilla answer is Arceus Dialga and Palkia GX, yeah. the worst card ever printed, right? Because <laughs> in our current standard metagame, it's just, you know, it's it's not very healthy. Uh, Arceus Dialga and Palkia GX existed for yeah, a few formats, um, you know, before the Sword and Shield set. It wasn't until Zashian came out that really made Arceus Dialga and Palkia GX a huge problem. Yeah. Uh, anybody who says the ADP Caldeo deck was <laughs> yeah. like really good is sorely mistaken. That deck I've heard a few people good. say that that deck was great, but I was like, eh, is it really It's that? not very good. It was not very good. And it was definitely not comparable to the ADP Zashian decks that you got now. So yeah. then the question is, was Arceus Dialga and Palkia GX the problem or is Zashian V the problem? Right, because now we have to look at Zashi and V. Zashi and V is a 220 hit point basic Pokemon that does 230 damage with nearly no drawback for three energy. Mm -hmm. Right, uh, it also has Metal Saucer available to it and it draws three cards that accelerates energy to itself. Yep, so my answer is going to be Zashi and V. I think that is the most problematic card, uh, printed in recent history. 
Yeah, I can't. I, I can't I, argue with that. Uh, I, it, I have to agree, and yeah. there is no argument for it because he just did it for us. Yeah, for sure. I mean, a card that could just draw through. Like you have stall archetypes that don't even attack, and we'll put Zashi in because he's so good with that intrepid sword. So yeah, that's a that's a, a great. There's point. a million things you could have done. You could have printed Zashi and V without intrepid sword and it would still be good and played you could have printed zashi and v with uh without metal saucer and it would still be good and played uh <laughs> it's like yeah. it's a perfect storm you know zashi and v could have existed without rcs dalga and palkia and it would still be good and played you could have zashi and v definitely didn't need rusted sword but i mean here we are <laughs> for sure well, awesome. That, those were all great answers. Um, but yeah, let's uh, jump to the news now. There was um, a few articles that were that were out, but the, the main one would be uh, the article on Pokey Beach that came out with the the new Cinderace and the Rillaboom as far as Rapid Strike Single Strike. Um, so yep. let's go ahead and go into that now. I'll start us off. We're not, we're not going to go through the, the babies. We're just going to go to the stage twos. And we'll start off with our Cinderace, which is a fire type. He is a single strike. He has an uh, ability, adren um, Adrenaline Power. This Pokemon uh, attack does 30 more damage to your opponent's active Pokemon for each prize your opponent has already taken. Um, so that's just the ability. So he can definitely, you know, hit for for big damage. Um, but on his normal attack, we got uh, Fireball Shot for 150. This Pokemon can't attack during the next turn, which was is for a, a Fire and a Colorless um, to to attack. So to me, this screams out late game comeback um, mechanics, and you can do a massive amount of damage. What do you guys think about uh, this new Cinderace? Well. Uh, that's it's it sounds like it's a much better just from looking at it a much better Pokemon for the end game, but getting getting there, what's going to get you the first few prizes you get unless you're purely hoping on winning after the opponent's already taken out a bunch of stuff to to get him to do that the the damage needed because at one fifty eight without having at least one extra. Yeah, prize taken. You're not knocking out even a Dedenne. Yeah, for sure. What What do you think about this, Andrew? I think. Well, first of all, when we're looking at single prize attackers, um, especially stage two, you know, we have to kind of look at these cards in the context of post rotation because, to be honest, none of these cards are really feasible in a format with tag team Pokemon mm -hmm. or Arceus Dialga and Palkia GX. It's just a big boy format where you got big three prize hulker basic Pokemon that you can slam yeah. down into play for no cost. And, you know, your next biggest Pokemon are stage ones. <laughs> so <laughs> you glorified stage one V-Maxes. So stage two Pokemon, you know, a Pokemon that has to evolve twice and only has 170 hit points is a hard sell right now. But I do think that there is light at the end of the tunnel for stage two Pokemon. Uh, format slows down a little bit. The Dene GX rotating out of standard format. Um, you know, uh, Arceus, Dalga, and Palkia GX rotating out of standard format. Uh, I think cards like Cinderace are going to start to look um, a lot stronger. <laughs> so Cinderace, I think, has a lot of potential. Uh, 150 damage does not quite want uh, to hit KO. Pokemon V Max, but if your opponent has taken one prize, then it does to a KO Pokemon V Max, which is very good. 
Um, and I think that as a single prize Pokemon, if you are to hit KOing a Pokemon VMAX, then you're trading effectively with them because, it, you know, for every two swings that you have, you're taking three prizes. And yeah. then a VMAX that is one hit KOing you has to swing three times to take three prizes. So you should theoretically be able to win the race. Now, what's really cool about this card is that it ramps for each prize your opponent has taken. And that's kind of a skewed concept in the realm of Arceus Dalga and Palkia GX because, uh, it, it, you know, <laughs> they get to take bonus. They get to basically cheat by taking bonus prizes on your single prize Pokemon. Yeah. But, uh, you know, okay. So say, you know, it, it's kind of hard for, it's kind of hard to conceptualize a world without ADP, but like, you know, this kind of card, uh, if you're forcing your opponent to take single prizes each in every knockout, right? Uh, then that means that this Cinderace will, if you're not playing Crobats or anything like that in this deck, you know, maybe you do play Crobat, maybe one or something like that. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, you're getting each of those knockouts is increasing your attack power to the point where your opponent, you can guarantee your opponent is going to go down to one prize remaining, something that you can't really do in standard format right now with, you know, uh, RCS Dalga and Palkia. Now, yeah. Rapid Striker Shifu, could cause problems for little decks like this when yes. you rotates, right? Yes. Um, but, uh, that aside, okay? <laughs> that aside one prize, sure. say your opponent's down to one prize, <laughs> you do 300 damage for two energy. Uh, you could boost that damage output further with single strike energy. Uh, so, you know, it could one-hit KO a Pokemon VMAX at the end of the game. So if you're figuring, in order to win a game of Pokemon cards, I have to two-hit KO one Pokemon VMAX. And then at the end, if I can summon up some sort of big one-hit KO attack, mm -hmm. then I can win. Um, do I think this card is going to be great? No, but, eh, you know, maybe, maybe maybe we could do something with it. Maybe okay. it could be a fun rogue kind of deck. It To me, it, sound, it, it just screams out to go into the already baby... Um, cinderace line and maybe do like a three one with him so they are those ones are two shotting um those big three prize pokemon and then yep. say they do knock out a couple of those guys and you bring this one up end game yeah you can just do what you said like uh one shot those big guys especially with the the single strike energy um so i mean yeah i don't i agree i don't think it's going to be like s tier a tier but definitely b tier you'll see it on the you know a fun list on on ladder at, at very minimum um i would say for that one all right, uh, Chuck, you want to take us on to the next one? Yeah, I mean, I'll do the Lycanroc. It's mm -hmm. a fight, fighting Pokemon, 120 HP. Uh, it's also a single strike Pokemon. Uh, it's for, for two fighting energies, it has Rogue Fang, 80 plus damage. This attack does 10 more damage for each single strike Pokemon in your discard pile. Um, not a bad option for uh, maybe like a single prize single uh, a single prize single strike deck like a primate or something like that just something that can hit for big damage after you've lost a few things too as well maybe uh, yeah I, I, it's I, damage I, output is a little low for only 10 extra so it, I don't it know. seems like a worse mad party pokemon um it, it might find room in those single prize decks but i think the primate deck is fine without it anyway so i don't know how about yeah. yourself Andrew? what do you think about this like i'm not too impressed with it yeah well what's funny is you know um having been playing since the black and white era there's a uh there is a card vespaquin uh from ancient origins which does 20 damage plus 10 more damage for each pokemon in your discard pile uh it's kind of like a night march mad party style kind of attacker and vespaquin uh was very good 
and was meta for almost its entire existence and even meta in expanded format after its standard rotation for some time afterwards as well. And 20 plus 10 is, you know, way lower than 80 plus 10. Now, that's something to mention is the Vesper Quinn's attack was a double colorless, you know, attack cost. So you could uh, fulfill that attack cost with a double colorless energy. This is mm-hmm. two fighting energy, much more difficult to uh to get and also it only does 10 times more damage uh you know plus 10 times more damage for each single strike pokemon that is carpal not any pokemon so there are some i think critical limitations to this card which make it explicitly worse than vespaquin uh kind of comparing apples to apples here first of all its attack requirement is much more difficult to get yes you could play it with houndoom but now we're setting up a lot of stuff and then on top of having to set up a lot of stuff, you're going to need like 20 Pokemon in your discard pile to really be hitting those big numbers that you need to hit in order to one hit yeah. KO Pokemon VMAX. And uh, this kind of deck, you know, this kind of deck, similar to what we were talking about with the Cinderace, uh, Vespa Queen, the strategy was uh, there weren't three prize Pokemon, there were two prize Pokemon. You would start off the game swinging for about 100 damage, turn two, turn three, right? You just get like eight Pokemon in the discard pile, and now I'm doing like 100. Uh, and then like I finish off a Pokemon EX or something, you know, for a hundred more damage. And then at the end of the game, I'm swinging for 180, 200 damage and can like take those big one hit KOs. Right. Um, but you know, for this dude to take those big one hit KOs, first of all, we're going to need, uh, you know, you're going to need 10 single strike Pokemon in the discard pile to do 180. So like getting 10 single strike Pokemon in the discard pile to like two hit KO Pokemon V max, you know, eight to 10. That's, it's a lot. I think it's yeah. a lot to ask. And I don't, and I think that on top of that, the attack requirement is uh, is a little bit uh, too difficult to fulfill. Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, okay, so the next one, uh, I don't know how to pronounce this correctly, uh, flan- Flannery? It's I'm Flannery. Not- yep. Flannery, okay, so I, I kind of said it right. Okay, so choose a special energy card attached to one of your opponent's Pokemon and any stadium in play and discard them. Um, and then you that's basically it. So... I don't know if this is great necessarily. I mean, we do have Fan of Waves. We still have Garatina to do the to do the special energy removal. Does the stadium removing the stadium really add to it? To you know, for for it to being a supporter, I'm not sure. I, I don't. I'm not a fan of this card. Um, it's a little bit worse than a Yelgrunt because Yelgrunt's basic. I mean, Yelgrunt puts it back in your deck so it's not a straight discard but um the stadium's kind of like an added bonus maybe for that because it's doing that but yeah then again the only one you the only stadium you really want to do that to right now is chaotic swell yeah for sure and then that will be rotating shortly after this i don't know um we haven't been in the game very long andrew do you think that this has room in the the advance of uh you know uh the next meta or so this is a good card this okay. is a good card. Yes. Uh, now, context is everything. Will this card be played in standard format right now? No, uh, mm-hmm. probably not. And it won't be a card you're like seeing as a two of, three of in standard decks. But this is a card that goes into the catalog. If, if you're a control player, this is the <laughs> yeah. card that goes into the catalog of, you know, kind of forever control cards. Now, there's this is a great card. I will say it's a great card because... It not only discards a special energy, 
which is very good in expanded format, very yep. good in control style decks, but it also discards a stadium card, right? So these are two very good effects. You can you can, and you can do a two for one, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in expanded format, you have access to cards like Versus Seeker. You have ways to pull, you know, Lusamine. I think just recently got on Ben. Uh, you have ways to pull supporter cards back from your discard pile to recycle them over and over and over again. So in an expanded control deck, you can play a Flannery um, as a one of and use it. It, uh, a lot of times so against a deck you know like mewtwo mew tag team gx and expanded format that plays all special energy you could just you know flannery 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 put all yes. the energy into the discard pile um and then also you're you're balancing their dimension valley or whatever you know stadium they have in play which is also good so there's uh you know kind of that two for there and then with you know you mentioned chaotic swell in standard format chaotic swell a problem right now uh it's the best stadium card in the game uh one of the best stadium cards ever printed um in expanded format that stadium is not going anywhere right uh so there are going to be control decks that want to play cards like silent lab they're going to be control decks that want to play cards like power plant to shut down abilities right now imagine a control deck uh having a stadium in play or having a stadium in hand wants to play it but you've got a deck like mewtwo and mew right that uh, is going to play uh, maybe they play chaotic well maybe they play you know dimension valley or something like that but like the flannery can get rid of you know the special energy and the uh and the stadium at the same time so this card is good it's a powerful card it's going to go into the catalog of a uh, control players you know dream cards and mm-hmm. will just exist there and it will just be an option for control players going forward now no this is not going to be a card that you see in most decks yeah, uh, yeah. but it's something to keep in mind when this kind of need comes up there is a good answer for that question is there a way to discard stadiums and special energy yeah we got a two for one and it exists it's a good card to fill that niche now it is a it is a specific niche but it's a good card at filling that niche yeah and especially i guess after Marshadow, it's Marshadow, right that gets rid of the the swells at the moment yeah once that rotates i can definitely yeah you've sold me at least it's it's good and depending on the archetype but yeah for stall for sure mm-hmm. i can definitely i see your argument i don't play a lot of expanded but i uh it's more of an expanded they, card yeah, yeah, I, I just don't play a lot of expanded because the pool so pool so large. I don't have the knowledge, but that, like I know, special energy is huge in expanded. So anything that can discard special energy is going to be helpful. Especially the card that it competes with in expanded is Faba. There's like Faba mm-hmm. uh, sends special energy to Lost Zone, um, and that's played in like almost every control deck. Plays mm-hmm. Faba. And it sends one special energy. So you got to imagine like, okay, you know, it's kind of sharing some space with Faba, but like, should the need pop up to discard a problematic stadium? You know, yeah, we've got it. Yeah, for sure. All right. So then we got the, the um, single strike scroll of stab here. Um, Basically uh, we got the, the overreach 120 damage. This tack um, damage isn't affected by weakness, resistance, or any other effects for your opponent's active Pokemon. And its cost is a uh, fire and double colorless. Um, so what do you guys think about this card? Is, uh, is there a place in this one over, over the existing uh, the scroll of scorn, I believe, in the single strikes? I don't, I don't see. In the standard with single strike, I don't see this being any better or more useful than the scroll of scorn. I mean, if you're going to get to three energies, or I don't know, I just I don't see it being that useful 
on an Urshifu at the moment. I don't know. There might not be a poke. The Pokemon that this might go with might not be there yet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's uh. Yeah. 120 damage not affected. It's like okay, you know, these kind of Altaria cards that this goes through. I feel like they're already. You know, you already got Phoebe, man. Yeah. Do yeah. that. You know, and this seems like doing more. Phoebe, I think, is just better than this card. So that would be my. Yeah, fun. I guess it just gives you another option instead of Phoebe or anything else to, to get past that. But um, sure. yeah, at that at, at the moment, I don't see a big play unless, again, um, some some of those wall decks come up and maybe Phoebe somehow is negated or or you need something on top of that might give you some versatility. But aside from that, I don't I don't know. Um, I don't see any huge impact, at least at the start. Speaking of impact, you want to get the the next one. Yeah. There, Chuck. <laughs> uh, speaking speaking of impact, we have impact energy. Uh, this is a single strike only energy, so it can only be attached to single strike Pokemon. Uh, as long as this card is attached to a Pokemon, it provides every type of energy, but provides only one energy at a time. Uh, if the Pokemon is poisoned, it is also no longer poisoned and cannot be poisoned. So it is an Aurora energy with poison immunity. Seems okay. Um, it depends on how prevalent. I think um, special conditions, obviously, um, poison will be in the in the the meta going on. Uh, is Weeping Bell going to be one of those decks that are going to be there? Um, I don't know. I don't think it's super meta at the moment. And plus, it, Weeping Bell is basically poisoning you, and then wanting to do its attack anyway. So if you're still alive, maybe. But I, I don't know. Um, if you don't want to get rid of an energy, you know, for for a discard cost, maybe there's a room for that, uh, room for it for sure. Uh, it's it's helpful in the decks that want the single strike decks that want to run multicolored Pokemon uh, at the moment, because uh, yeah. there's they're stretched out, they're stretched out like they're the single strikes are in multicolors, but the single strike energy only helps or only provides fighting and darkness. So if you wanted to use uh, a Mawile. It it's is fine. Yep. And yep. it's it's a fine card. Uh I think that uh you know it could find some home in some eventual, you know, single strike deck uh that exists that we don't know about yet. You know, it could combo with some cards that eventually get printed. But as it is right now, you can't accelerate it with the Hound Doom, even though it is a single strike energy. It is not the single strike energy that Hound Doom accelerates. So it's uh I think a fine card. And there could be uh you know, single strike cards that it combos with that we don't know about yet. Okay, and then we also got uh, the new Rillaboom here. Um, he has two attacks, but really the only one you're probably worried about is the Surging Beat, uh, 120 damage. You may discard any number of energy is attached to the Pokemon in play. If you do, this attack does 30 damage for each uh, card discard discarded in this way. So again, I think this is another one of those cards um, that... You know, is maybe a late game kind of thing. If you can start building up energies towards the end and maybe one hit KO one of those big uh, three prize Pokemon. Um, other than that, I throughout the game, I don't know if you really want to be discarding energies uh, rapidly throughout the early and mid game. Um, what do you guys think about this one? I mean, you could get uh, if you get enough energies, you could do a lot of damage um, if you can keep cycling the energies. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know a way, an easy way for grass to do it, but I mean, there is Charum. an energy recycle, but Charum lets you drop as many as you want. So, I mean, it could prove to be good. 
Yeah, I actually, I didn't it could even, actually dish out a lot of energy. It could dish out a lot of damage. I didn't even think of Cherim when I was reading this until you started talking. So this actually might have potential. What do you think, I Andrew? Think, I think as someone who has already tried to put a stage two in a Cherim deck, because I tried to do it with the new Colossal yeah. uh, from Battle Styles, uh, it just doesn't fit, you know? I mean, because you're going to want a ton of energy in this deck. You're going to want energy recovery in this deck. It's just... It's just asking too much of your deck for it to be consistent. And, uh, you know, and, and the game right now is very fast paced. Unfortunately, this kind of card uh, will just remain in the fun tier yeah. uh, category. Yes. Uh, yeah, not going to be very fun if you're if you're losing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I just don't okay. think it'll fit. I think Maractus is the better uh, chair detector right now. Yeah, anyways. for sure. All right, Chuck, you want to take the next one? Uh, yeah, yeah. We have uh, Malamar, a uh, psychic Pokemon, HP 120. Uh, it's Rapid Strike, uh, and it does, for one psychic energy, Rapid Tentacles. 40 times damage, you may reveal as many Rapid Strikes cards from your hand as you like. This attack does 40 damage times the number of cards you revealed. Then shuffle those cards into your deck. Uh, cool attack. I don't know how well it is going to be to get that many Rapid Strikes to do a lot of damage this way. There's a lot of different Pokemon that do similar type of attacks that I think are easier. Yeah. I think this card is going to consistently be able to crank out like 80 to 120 damage. You're yeah. not really going to be able to get that many, you know, rapid strike cards in your hand. You compare it with the rapid strike octillery, right? So okay. like the rapid strike octillery can help search out everything, but you're going to need to put some of the cards you're searching out with rapid strike octillery, you know, like into play. So you won't be able to discard them. Uh, you know, it can go get, you know, your, your Karina's focus, your supporters, uh, things like that. Um, but like I said, I think you're going to consistently, maybe if you built your entire deck out of Rapid Strike stuff, you might have like three extra cards to discard from yeah, your hand. There's not um, like 10. Yeah, yeah there's sure. not enough cards that say Rapid Strike on them, I think, for this card to work. Correctly. Yeah, for, I mean, you, the whole set hasn't been announced yet, but yeah, I still, even if they come out with a fair number, I don't know if that's really feasible. It doesn't, um, I mean, like, even if it said discard any card from your hand, right? I mean, just think about, Think about what kind of draw power it takes to discard that many cards from your hand over and over again. Yeah. And then, you know, and then you have to put rapid strike on every single one of those cards. It's just <laughs> not really feasible. Right. For sure. For sure. All right. So I think the last one we're really going to go over um, will be the the scroll of uh, the skies. Uh, flying suplex 10 plus damage this attack does 50 damage uh to each or i'm sorry this attack does 50 damage for each energy attached to your opponent's pokemon so it kind of seems like a regular like a victini v or or something to that effect where you're you're or you're um punishing your opponent for having a, a ton of energy on an active pokemon um center scorch v max kind of comes to mind um in that matchup, it would be great, but in any other matchup, I don't know how prevalent that will be. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think of this card? It, it might have a spot in the meta, I think. I think it'll depend on what what card what cards currently. I mean, Santa Scorch is the only thing I can think of right now that wants a lot of energy on its active Pokemon. Everything else is like Eternatus is two, uh, Victini is two, two, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, Mewtwo's three, like three to four, maybe, but I just don't see the energy 
compounding in one spot for this card to be worthwhile. Right. I, I think that this card is kind of uh it's it's a niche card and it's a card that uh will fulfill that role if there ever is a card like Senti Scorch that is like extremely prevalent, right? You know, yeah. if Senti Scorch is the tier one deck and everybody needs to beat Senti Scorch and in order to compete, then you're gonna see this card start to pop up as like a, an answer to Senti Scorch. This yes. card is an answer to a deck like Senti Scorch, but it's not a card that you'll play otherwise. No, I tend to agree with that for sure. All right, so I think that will cover it for the news right now. Um, that being said, we're going to go straight into our Whimsy Watch. Hello, so it's time again for a Whimsy Watch, which means it's time to take a quick look at this week's meta. But first, look back at the results of last week's poll, conducted via Twitter and in our Discord. So twice as many voters are ready to see Picaram rotate and bid Bon Voyage. While we may want him gone, he's still out there crushing it. Pikaram, as well as four other decks, picked up multiple tournament wins. It's starting to show what may be our top performers in the Battle Styles meta. Eternatus joins Pika in this list, as well as ADPZ. Finally, he's picking up a couple wins. Our two new archetypes are Victini and Rapid Strike Urshifu. Urshifu, doing it on his own, and the variant of Victini that is doing well is the one that's paired with mu 2 mu GX. Both these new decks are making deep runs in a lot of tournaments. Now, let's take a look at popularity. Uh, the top five in popularity, popularity or meta share, are essentially the same except one. Victini gets bumped to sixth for Mad Party, which is showing that it's a single prize deck and it's for real. Mad Party bashed its way all the way to the top and won the huge 528 player Limitless Online Major number 3. This deck is a serious threat with the addition of the speed and consistency brought by the new level ball. This is now going to lead me into my next listener poll. We gotta know, has Mad Party reached tier 1? Or is it still not there yet? Let me know your thoughts and cast your vote over on Twitter at WatchWhimsy or in our Triple P Discord. The link is in the show notes. Come and hang out. And that's going to put a wrap on this week's watch. So let's now get back to the cast. Hey everyone, this is your host, Nick the Duke of Hobbies, with an announcement and reminder that this Saturday, April 17th, is the Triple P Saturday Select. We got over 150 codes to give out uh, to the players who are participating. So there's a limited number of players. We're only going to have it 32. Uh, it starts at 6 p.m. April 17th. Sign up, get your invite code, hit us up at Pit, Pokepod, or Duke of Hobbies for an invite. See you there. Okay, thank you, Chuck. Even though you're here, thank you for yeah. that report. Great work as always. Happy to be of service. <laughs> so cool. So um, after you know the news articles, we've kind of got a little bit of a background on Andrew, but um, I really want to kind of go into you know a little bit more in depth to the history, his history of um, you know his his player career, and then maybe a little bit into his streaming career. So first off, um, how did you get into the game? Um, like how do you, I know you said that you you know you you had some cards and then you you went to a local game shop close to us, but um, what really got you motivated to start playing in the first place? Well, I was a competitive runner 
let's see we could go back even further than that all right so yeah i was into pokemon into pokemon cards as like a mm-hmm. kid when it came out i was 10 years old when pokemon came out you know that was the perfect age that was that's what age ash was you know it kind of just hit me like a rock right and i yeah. feel like we're kind of seeing a lot of people well i should say you know a lot of adults now right yeah. kind of yeah. uh like ourselves you know mm-hmm. revisit the pokemon franchise because we have some very fond memories of uh the pokemon franchise as a kid and pokemon has aged you know with us i mean they're celebrating their 25th anniversary now uh it's very exciting and uh and and the franchise is uh is is doing great and uh and i think it's a time now where you know we can kind of look back on pokemon as something that had a meaningful part of our lives you know in a similar way that uh many adults look back at you know or or like watch or are fans of baseball or football or sports that they played right because mm-hmm. uh those are things that they did as 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 kids and uh you know had meaningful experiences with those things so for me uh, i had some very meaningful experiences with pokemon making friends doing things like that uh as a kid and then i put it away for a little while and then in high school i started collecting cards again um and yeah i remember kind of i skateboarded mm-hmm. i started skateboarding in middle school that was like when i kind of took a little break from pokemon picked up skateboarding got really into skateboarding skateboarded like every day from middle school through high school uh completely obsessed so i did that and then in you know in like uh maybe my junior year of high school i started to kind of come into my myself as a person and as an adult a young adult and uh then, uh, you know, I started, you know, being more confident. And, you know, as I've become more confident, you know, Pokemon kind of became a little taboo when you're like your middle school, you mm-hmm. know, early high school, you're trying to like, you know, really find your place in the world. And you're like, I got to leave that kid stuff behind. Yeah, you're too cool for Pokemon yeah. stage. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. So but then as you know, as I kind of matured and became a little bit more confident myself, I was like, you know what, I really like Pokemon. I really rock the Pokemon. I think that Pokemon are sweet, you know, and I had a buddy of mine who I skateboarded with, uh, who also like agreed that Pokemon were awesome. So like, we would ride our skateboards, ride our bikes out to the 7-Eleven, you know, in like 2005. And yeah, uh, we were buying packs of fire red leaf green at the 7-Eleven spending all the money that we earned, you know, like, <laughs> uh, I did landscaping, I mowed lawns and stuff too. Uh, spent all the money that I had earned doing that on packs of Pokemon cards. Uh, and we would just like right outside the Seven Eleven, you know, we would just like crack them right there and be like, you know, nine, 10 at night, you know, we, we'd be open to the cards. And, uh, you know, that was, I have very, you know, very vivid memories of doing that. It was really exciting. Um, you know, at the time, uh, I had opened a Blastoise EX. He had opened a Gengar EX. You know, I really thought Gengar was sweet. He thought Blastoise was sweet. He had like a water deck that he was building. Yeah. Because right? we kind of had like some loose idea of how to play. So like, I was like, yeah, man, I'll just trade you Gengar for Blastoise. At the time, I had no idea. But Blastoise was like a major meta card at the time. It was like worth $100. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? But I had, yeah. I had like no idea about any of that because I didn't follow the game. So for us, that was a fair trade because I thought Gengar was sweet, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but like, we didn't know anything, uh, but we did play our unlimited decks together. And so like, I kind of had some background in like playing the game. Cause we would, you know, play our unlimited decks just with whatever cards we mm-hmm. had. Um, and then in college, I, you know, I played diamond and pearl, uh, extensively, uh, on my Nintendo DS because I was uh, a competitive runner as well. So I, I ran in college, uh, 
and uh and was very into running um well a love-hate relationship but okay but i did it a lot okay <laughs> yeah uh and yeah. i competed it i competed at a division three level but at like the highest level of division three uh we you know went to the national championships um awesome. every year and uh, ended up winning a national title in the d- distance medley relay um nice. my senior year so very competitive person you know uh this yeah. kind of has driven you know driven me my whole life i ran in high school as well and uh and you know i would play the ds game you know for fun on bus rides and things like that so pokemon was like a part of my adolescence as well yeah. and part of my life at this point um and when i graduated college i was like okay you know i kind of the you know the ncaa championship trophy you know senior year that was kind of like the cap on my running career i was like it doesn't get for me it doesn't get any better than that i'm never going to the olympics i'm not good enough to do that i can't be a professional runner i'm not good enough to do that either but division three you know first place trophy sick that that rocks like i'm cool with that that was as good as it was gonna get for me so i was like time to hang up the running you know i could run casually but like i I, i'm honestly sick of it yeah (laughs) i've been running running for so long at this (laughs) i need to do something else and preferably something that's not not physical (laughs) for sure (laughs) uh so that's when uh you know uh, me and my girlfriend at the time you know we kind of went to the store and bought theme decks for pokemon just to like kind of goof around with and uh they were heart gold soul silver theme decks um and uh and we just started buying cards to kind of like improve our theme decks online and that's when i kind of found that there were people who played tournaments online um and uh and actually my first tournament that i ended up going to was a video game tournament because i was <laughs> I mean, at this point i had logged like over a thousand hours in pokemon pearl right so yeah, like i yeah. i was like really into the video game uh coming out of college so i went to a video game regional and finished in the top 32 of it thought that that was sick so then i uh so then as i started getting more into the pokemon cards then I was like, okay, there, I already know that there's a competitive scene out there. Cause I'm like, you know, I'd been to the video game regional. I'm like yep. reading more about the competitive scene online. And that's when I went to my first pre-release and then the rest is history completely hooked, started chasing the world's invite, yep. uh, you know, started, uh, man, dude, we'd drive hours and hours just to go to city championships. I used to drive to Canada to go <laughs> to city championships on a weekend. If there was a city championship in Canada, I would drive to, you know, uh, just completely hooked in my early twenties. Yeah. Um, because I mean, what else I got to do? You know, I was like working a job, you know, but like, it, you know, I didn't know where it was going. I was living in an apartment, you know, just kind of goofing around, having fun, making friends. And sure. it was a, uh, it was a really good time. So, yeah. So you, you said you started in 2012 and then you said, what was it? Uh, 2015, you won your first, uh, your first regionals. So yeah. whenever you started playing, obviously it sounds like you just got the competitive bug right off the bat. Um, where you, and you were just, um, almost, almost weekly kind of just trying to, up your game, um, traveling to these events to become that player, you know, that eventually won a regionals, you know, three short years later, is that kind of how it went? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, thinking about like my start in competitive play, I was driven 
I was very driven right from the get-go, as it sounds like you guys definitely are. Mm -hmm. um, I was driven right from the get-go, and I knew that this wasn't going to, I knew I wasn't going to be able to just do it casually. <laughs> it's yeah. like, I just, I just knew that, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I was like, I was okay with that. I was like, you know what, we're just going to take this as far as we could take this, you know? Uh, at this point, I had learned kind of lessons from, you know, of what it takes to compete at the highest level of things from my running career. So I, kn I knew the kind of like determination and time investment it takes to like to get good at something right yeah so uh even though i didn't have a background in like competitive gaming mm -hmm. i was kind of aware of what it took to be you know kind of competitive at anything uh, yeah. because of my running career and the amount of time i would have to suck into it and you know i had no other obligations at that point so it, yeah, just, sure. it was what it was you know um so I dove in, started traveling to tournaments, you know, started reading obsessively on online, uh, you know, meta uh, analysis articles and things like that. Um, and it was always my dream to become an article writer. That to me was like the coolest thing because I looked up to the article writers that I was you know, reading so much uh, and and, you know, really kind of admired their work. And so I was like, that's the dream. You know, that was like the peak of the game. If you were yeah. an article writer, that was yeah. like the coolest thing. Um, and I also wanted to be a regional champion. I was like, these are the people that like, you know, uh, they're really, uh, you know, people remember the regional champion. Yeah. So like, that was like, those were like my, you know, I carried on the stick at the beginning. So, yeah, sure. uh, it, I was really bad when I first started though, you know, I was, I was real bad. I was yeah. not very good. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and I think for like a year I was traveling to events and just like going to just locals, you know, like battle roads they were called battle roads or league challenges now but basically a battle yeah. road was a league challenge and a city championship is a league cup like those were like the, the things so uh we'll go to battle roads just lose 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 you know that's that's fine and i you know uh but eventually i ended up like clicking with the deck and i won my first battle road and that was like a very you know memorable moment it was basically actually even just I think it took me like eight months to top cut my first battle road, yeah. uh, eight or nine months to top cut. And we're talking like this tournament had less than 20 people in it. And I finished in the top four. Right. <laughs> and like, that was extremely significant for me. Like I finished third out of like 20, yeah. you know, and maybe like nine months in and was like, this rocks, you know, uh, I like took a picture of it, you know, yeah. posted it on my Instagram. I was like, this is insane. Yeah. Uh, and then I think it took me a whole year to win my first tournament. Um, so, but like after I won my first battle road, um, it, the success started to like something in my mind had like clicked at that point. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, I was very comfortable with a certain deck. It was like this electric deck. Um, and I was very comfortable with that archetype. So even though I didn't know how to play a lot of decks, I figured out how to play one deck very well. Mm -hmm. And I just played it over and over and over and over again. I started, you know, I won some city championships kind of, you know, but I wasn't good enough to compete on like a, on my locals, I was good enough to compete. I was good enough to win battle roads, city championships, things like that. But on like a state level, I wasn't good enough yet on yeah. like the regional level. I wasn't good. Enough. I would still go to state championships and stuff a year out and was getting, you know, uh, was getting stomped on for sure. Oh, yeah. uh, but then uh, I got really into Blastoise. When Blastoise came out, Brown Douche crossed, I got really into that deck and I played that deck obsessively, forgot all the electric stuff that I used to play, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it was, now it's Blastoise, totally Rain Dance City. Uh, and that deck got me my first top eight of a regional. Um, so that was like in like 2013. So a little over a year out, uh, I got, top eight at a regional that was exciting 
Um, I got top 16 at a state championship. So I top cut like a couple of bigger tournaments with Blastoise. Yeah. So then I was like completely on the rain dance thing and was like, I got to play black. Can't play anything. Other. You know, this is the deck <laughs> that I associate with like, you know, uh, yeah. with like kind of getting better. Yep. But it was, again, it was kind of more or less the, you know, I, I kind of get myself kind of, you know, honed into one deck and just practice that deck obsessively. And, you know, even though I wasn't very good at the game, even when I top eight of the regional, I would, I would still consider myself to have been very bad. I was not very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can say that about myself because I, I can look back at like the decisions I was making as a player that sure. I just know I was not, I was not very with it, but like, I did know I, to my credit though, I did know that Blastoise deck in and out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like, and I do, I do that deck very well, Uh, but I was not good enough to pick up a deck like uh, Eveltal, you know, when Mm -hmm. it came out, I didn't know how to play those decks, you know, I was very bad with those. So, uh, you know, eventually uh, Blastoise uh, turned into Raybor for me because Verzee and Genesect came out and that matchup really frustrated me because it hit Blastoise for weakness and Caldeo for weakness. So I switched to Raybor to have the type advantage of that matchup, ended up top fouring a regional uh, the following year uh, with, with Raybor that year. The year I top four to regional, that was 2014. Mm-hmm. I was really going for my world's invite that year. In 2013, I kind of knew it wasn't going to happen because I wasn't good enough yet. But I was yeah. really just focused on trying to top eight you know, or like top cut a, an event, right? Which I did yeah. a couple of times. So that was very exciting because I got my first ever top cuts that year. So then the following year, I was like, all right, I top cut at a couple of bigger tournaments. In 2014, I'm going to try and like make a run for worlds. But worlds was very hard to qualify for that year in DC. A couple of my buddies did. My buddy Nick did. Um, mm-hmm. My buddy Kevin did. Um, these were like my peers that I was kind of like, you know, how you guys are friends locally who yep. are kind of pushing each other. I kind of had some buddies like that. Uh, we were all pushing each other. Uh, Kevin Baxter is an incredible player. Um, you know, he ended up would go on to like be top 16 North America for like three years in a row. Uh, you know, and he's very accomplished, but like, so he, so having, a, you know, some other really good players, my buddy, Nick was really good as well. He was top eighting a bunch of regionals at the time uh, too. So having these kind of players who were also like, just as driven as I was kind of pushing me, um, you know, uh, being able to kind of bounce off those guys uh, really kind of motivated me to, uh, to, to give it my all and, and try to, you know, try to qualify for worlds. And my friends actually all qualify for worlds before I ever did. So, like, yeah. You know, so that gave you that extra fire. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Nick and Kevin both qualified for worlds that year. They had top eight at multiple regional championships. I had yeah. a top four, which was good, but like, it didn't, you know, combined with my city's run, didn't give me, uh, yeah. you know, enough enough juice to get to Worlds that year. So then coming into 2015, I'm like fired up, right? Because I missed the qualification for Worlds the year previous. Uh, I was in a situation where I, if I had top 64 nationals the year before, then I could have qualified for Worlds. So like that's mm-hmm. how close I was. I was pretty close. You were close. close. You were very close. Um, um, so I was very driven going into the city championships that year um city championships lasted about two months they were you know these tournaments every weekend where you could earn 50 championship points and qualifying for worlds was like you needed like four or five hundred championship points so you could get like half a world championship invite off of city championships but there was a best finish limit of four so like you could only count four city championships towards a world invite so you could get 200 points you have to win four yeah And and it only lasted for two months so you were like Every weekend for two months, you were hitting city championships and the meta was evolving incredibly fast because people were trying, 
you know, people were trying to counter what other people were playing. There'd be double headers on weekend. You'd be like, okay, this deck won on Saturday. So we know that everybody's going to be playing this deck on Sunday. So we need to be able to beat this deck on Sunday when we got, you know, it was like this kind of very intense (laughs) metagame evolution that was happening. Um, and everybody was, this is why I would like drive to Canada, right. Yeah. To like go to yeah. Because it was like, well, do or die. I got it. If I'm going to qualify for worlds, it has to happen right now. Uh, you know, cause I have to get this bulk of my qualification done during city championship time. So during cities, I was at a loss. I couldn't play Raybor anymore. Raybor had rotated. Uh, I couldn't play Blastoise anymore that those decks were not, you know, relevant. Yeah. Um, so I was like looking for a new deck to play. I gravitated towards this metal Bronzong deck that like accelerated energy out of the discard pile, kind of like electric, which was my first deck that I got into. Right. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. trying to like stay comfortable with where I was in my deck, you know, kind of, uh, you know, proficiency at this point. Um, and I was doing poorly. Yeah, I want to stay in the wheelhouse, right? Yeah. Uh, and they say sometimes that, you know, you have to get worse at something before you get better, right? Because if yes. you're practicing a new stroke with golf or a new way, if you're fixing your stroke, right, you're going to get worse before you get better. So this was how I got worse. <laughs> because at the beginning of City Championships, I was, like, trying to find a new deck. And I was trying to, like, push myself as a player. Um, but, like, you know, I immediately gravitated to something that was in my wheelhouse, but like found out that that wasn't working. Uh, out of like half of the city championships were over, and I only got myself one top four, which was like not going to cut it. Yeah. So I was like, all right, we need to find a new deck. So my buddy Kevin was playing this deck, Wava Fett Crobat, and he had like won a city championship with it. I like liked that idea. Uh, so I was like, okay, but you know, what if we did it with like fighting guys instead? And I was like, we could play Landris and Halucha with like Crobat and, uh, and kind of just this like gnarly spread deck, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, with like super scoop ups to like reuse the Crobats and all this stuff. Uh, I ended up testing the deck for like probably close to a hundred hours on PTCGO, just like grinding, 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 grinding. None of my friends took it seriously. They were like, you build some like, you know, crackpot rug deck. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Uh, I ended up winning a city championship with it. Got second in another city championship with it. Kind of like right out the gates, got another top four. So I had like finished my city championship, uh, you know, grind with, land bats and was like and this was like a big evolution for me as a player because it was a different deck this was a deck that did not accelerate energy i i had not earned any points with a deck that did not accelerate energy in my three years of playing up until this point so like this was like very significant for me because i was teaching myself a new skill right yeah i was teaching myself a new way of thinking about the game and a new way of building decks and it was my own deck that I had cooked up, which I was very excited about. So when it came time for the St. Louis Regional Championship, I was like, well, I'm definitely just bringing that deck. Um, and ended up winning the entire event with it. It was very exciting. Some players that I really looked up to were also in top eight of that event. Yeah. Jason Klazinski, three-time world championship, you know, world champion, was in top eight of that event. Britt Pibus, an article writer who I really looked up to, was also in top eight of that event. So there were like some really uh you know some really players that i really looked up to there it was a very exciting experience for me kal pukovic and jay Witz were commentating over the event it was being streamed by the pokemon company international uh i got to do an interview with jay Witz and an interview with puka it was oh, like wow. it was like the dream right yeah. i actually i like almost yeah. cried like when it, like <laughs> when i when i won when i made my final play and like won i like almost cried like i was like i was choking up it like it really messed me up i i couldn't believe that like I had always dreamed of winning a regional championship, but I could not believe that it was happening right then. I yeah. was like, maybe like some years down the line, because, you know, I, you figure it was just three years since I'd started, yeah. you know, yeah. and I was like, you know, maybe if I, 
put in all the work, like maybe eventually we'll get there, but mm-hmm. I didn't think that it would. And, and man, dude, like I can tell you, I, it was a combination of like me having a good deck, the right deck at the right time and like knowing the deck well and playing well, but it was yep. also like the stars aligned, man, because like I have, you know, uh, I've gotten better as a player, way better. Yep but the opportunity to win another regional championship has not popped up. <laughs> yep. I've gotten top fours. I've gotten second place. I've gotten a plethora of top eights. Yeah, but like, yeah, yeah. You know, some things really have to click for you to get that win. And it's, uh, it's so I'm extremely thankful that I have it yeah, uh, sure. no, under I, my belt yeah. because it's, it's, uh, it's tough out there. You know, it's tough out there. So that was kind of the, the event that clicked. I, I taught myself how to play a new deck. And that experience of teaching myself how to play a new kind of deck opened the door for me to teach myself how to play all different kinds of decks yep. going forward from that moment. And I ended up playing Night March at the World Championships that year. Uh, I bubbled out of top eight of the World Championships that year at ninth place on opponent's opponent's resistance. I finished five, oh, one, geez. and one day two. And I just bubbled by a, a tenth of a percentage on Jeez. opponent's opponent's resistance. It was a kind of a heartbreaking bubble but like yeah that's fine. i would say so <laughs> <laughs> that's fine but night march was a you know it's kind of like mad party right yeah uh it, it was this yep. it was a new deck that was a different kind of deck a kind of deck that i had never played before either so like that was the kind of you know the land bats was the original it was like the the kind of vehicle that got me to start being more experimental and and switching things up with my gameplay which really kind of helped me to grow and develop as a player and kind of kicked off uh, I think my competitive career. So yeah, for sure. So that with all of that being said, though, it, you know, you put a lot of hard time and effort into that. Um, and then, you know, you did well at worlds one year, one year, uh, regionals. Awesome. Um, what really kind of was the initial, like you, you started streaming at win compared to this and what was kind of the, um, the initial, um, goal for streaming, um, when you started for streaming. So, it was kind of a crazy beginning. Um, I had been Darium's Pokemon was a card shop in in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio, which was literally a mile up the street from the apartment I was living in. Okay, yeah. it was just a mile. It was on the street that my apartment was on. It was just a mile <laughs> up the road, like yeah, literally. Yeah, okay, yeah. so one of the biggest pack opener YouTubers lived a mile up the road for me, right? And I happen to be this hyper-competitive Pokemon player, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously I know all the card shops in my in my city. And so Darium's was this card shop, uh, and they had kind of hit this viral YouTube craze. So, you know, they have half a million subs on YouTube. Uh, they were getting million-view videos and things like that. And they had a card shop, uh, like a physical location. So uh, they're bulk craze had gotten so crazy so like the when i say bulk craze like they were trading bulk for booster boxes right and they yeah, were like yeah. they were buying bulk right uh because there's like an aftermarket for bulk basically uh you know and, and collectors have extra bulk lying around so they were buying up bulk from collectors viewers on their youtube right and then they were reselling it to you know you know when you go to like walmart and you yeah. see like the like like here's mystery a mystery boxes. pack of cards you know <laughs> yeah, that, yeah that's where your bulk goes. Okay. Yep. Like it, it goes into the stuff like that. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, and, and, and kids and parents, you know, eat that stuff up. So, uh, they were crazy on the bulk market. So they were hiring like kind of, you know, attempts like people to like, uh, people just to like pro- help them process bulk, you know? Yeah. And it was like on a daily thing. You just showed up. If you showed up, 
you know, at like 10 a.m. or noon or whatever when the shop opened and you were ready to work, they would just like pay you, right? And that's just what it was. Yeah. So uh, pay you per box. It was like per five row, you know what I mean? Okay. It was like, yeah, yeah. You know, so like for every five row you sorted or, or you picked, you could get paid per box. So I was a teacher. So in the summer, I was off. So I would go pick bulk at Darius. Now, the summer of 2017, I was having, I was picking bulk at Darium's and would see Kevin sometimes, uh, who is Darium. I would see him sometimes. We kind of, you know, we kind of talk and, and had a, you know, kind of a friendly relationship and things like that. And he was like, you know, talking to me about his YouTubing. It would be like, you know, I've been thinking about kind of starting a competitive channel for competitive players because I'm very casual. He does pack openings, you know, but he's yeah. like, I've been thinking about doing something for people that want to learn how to play. And then I finished top eight of the North American International Championships um, that year. It was like a 1,400 player tournament. I think it's I think it's still the biggest tournament ever held. Uh, so no big deal. Point. Top top four, you said no big deal. <laughs> it, it was top eight. Top eight. Oh, East, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Toward won that one. That was tour. That was toward won that one. Yes, uh, that top eight was awesome as well. Uh, a lot of my idols are were in that top eight. It was a very exciting experience for me. So. Uh, yeah, toward toward won that one. There was Igor, Sam Chen, a uh, bunch of bunch of amazing players there. Uh, John, uh, God, John, yeah, John as well. But uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> back to the story. So then, uh, so then uh, after I had finished in the top eight, Kevin kind of taking started taking things a little bit more seriously. He was like, "All right, well, you know, would you like to meet up and actually talk about starting a competitive channel? I think you'd be a good person to do it. We could try you out and see how the audience responds to you. So mm -hmm. he tried me out uh, with that and things went well. Um, you know, we started, uh, we started Darium's competitive Pokemon. So I basically kind of had the wheels of my own channel that was endorsed by Darium's. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so we started that channel and I just made videos for that. And then basically after like six months, um, of making videos for that channel. And I would also make videos for Darium's Pokemon too, because, you know, there'd be some days where he's like, oh, I don't feel like making a video. You want to make a video? I'd be like, yeah, man, that's yeah. cool. So I would like make videos for Darium's Pokemon and I was making videos for Darium's competitive Pokemon. After about six months of like um, paying me, because he he paid me. I mean, it was like a job, right? Yeah, like, yeah. like he's taking all the ad revenue and then he just paid me to make the videos. So like, uh, you know, after about six months, he was like, yeah, Darius competitive Pokemon's not really... Uh, not really financially viable, you know what I mean? Like the views, like it's good. Like you're doing a good job for a competitive channel, but like, you know what I mean? Like you can't pay for yourself doing that. So yeah. like, he's like, if you want to quit Darium's competitive Pokemon view and quit that YouTube channel, like you're welcome to, uh, I'm just going to pay you to make videos on Darium's now. Right. Uh, so he, at that point I was no longer being paid to do Darium's competitive Pokemon, but I did it because I loved it. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, and and wanted that project at that point i had taken so much pride in that project that i was not ready to let it go mm -hmm. so i wanted to see how far darium's competitive pokemon could go so i i i continued doing that in my free time and then was just making videos for darium's pokemon full-time and i was using the money that darium was hooking me up up with to pay for graduate school because i was going to graduate school to be a teacher and uh and then it got to the point where it was like, okay, uh, like the bulk market had kind of died down. Things were like chilling out. The kind of original craze that had happened with the pack opening was kind of like chilling out. 
And, you know, Darian was like, all right, we got to downsize. Darian sold the shop. He was downsizing uh, and was like, you know, Mahoney, you know, you can kind of go your separate way, but like, we can't really afford to pay you like we were paying you before. Yeah. Uh, and me and Kevin are still great. Like we're on good terms, but it was just like, you know what I mean? It wasn't super financially viable. What we had been doing during like the peak craze of the, of the pack opening thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, yeah, that's cool. Do you mind if I have Darius Pokemon? He's like, yeah, you can have Darius Pokemon. You just got to rebrand it. So like, I was like, dope, let's do that. So I rebranded it as Tricky Gym. Nice. Uh, and when I did that, I started kind of like fielding for sponsorships and, and ways to keep that kind of like financially, you know, viable. Uh, I found Full Grip Games. When I found Full Grip Games, I was like, okay, uh, I think that I'm going to go full-time into content creation and and put my teaching aside. Uh, for now, put grad school aside for now, and I'm going to just dive in uh, head first. So got the partnership with Full Group Games kind of set up. And that's when I really started streaming because I was like, I'm a full-time content creator right now. I'm not just making YouTube videos when I get home from teaching. I am like trying to like actually build something here. So mm-hmm, yeah. um, so then I, I branched off into Twitch. Uh, Twitch has been huge now. And the Twitch channel, that is like, you know, that's something that I've grown just from from the start darium's competitive pokemon you know which eventually turned into the tricky gym youtube channel that was you know originally started under like kind of the darium's umbrella and i kind of got that huge kick which was huge which was huge and i'm I'm extremely thankful for that but you know the twitch channel that's you know we started at zero followers there so like that you know that has been and we just hit 20k followers on twitch so that was congratulations on that that's awesome thanks thanks (laughs) thanks yeah so like the goal was streaming i mean it's just been to just take it as far as we can take it you know at this point uh you know we're just we're taking it day by day just seeing like where could what is uh you know what is the potential for a pokemon tcg content creator a competitive pokemon tcg content creator and i don't uh, I don't know that, uh, you know, all the possibilities have been figured out yet. So no, no, for sure. Um, do you feel that, you know, streaming and, you know, doing your Twitch and YouTube has, um, impacted your game either positively or negatively? Yeah. Uh, I think it's definitely impacted my game positively. Uh, as I've said, um, I won my regional in 2015. I haven't won another regional since, um, but I've definitely gotten better as a player. And I know that I've gotten better as a player. Uh, I'm top eight regionals way more consistently. Uh, the last regional before the pandemic started, I top eight uh, mm-hmm. Collinsville regional championships. Like I was, I was, I was cutting events all the time and, and consistently getting up there. I felt like my streaming has helped my consistency as a player. Also the game's gotten way harder. Okay. Like way, way, way harder. Like, yeah, I won in 2015. When I won in 2015, my regional championships, I got a case of Primal Clash and a pat on the back, okay? Uh, now, regional championships offer $5,000. So, like, yep. you know, yeah. the the prize money kicked in the year after I won my regional. So, oh, uh, <laughs> it's cool. The next year, I got second. So, like, it was it was still yeah. chilling. You know, we were chilling. Yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> but <laughs> I, was, I was stoked on that. But uh, the game's gotten a lot harder. It's gotten a lot more competitive. There are uh, pro players now. This is a thing. There were no mm-hmm. pro players really when I when I won in 2015. It was all hobbyists. We were all just purely hobbyists. But now there are professional. That if you would have said a pro Pokemon player in like 2014, people would have laughed at you. <laughs> Even in 2015, people would have laughed at you. Like now, it's it's finally getting to the point where there are professional Pokemon players. Yep. Uh, and it's not really uh, a joke. And uh, 
you know, and, and that makes like every time, you know, you're in the top eight of a regional championship. Now uh, you're against the best in the game, um, you know, because people are flying all over the country, all over the world to compete in these tournaments. Uh, you know, at a regional championship, you might face some people that are international, you know, that are flying, you know, overseas to compete in that tournament. Uh, so the, the regionals are huge. And I know that even though I haven't, uh, you know, necessarily spiked another regional, um, I know that I've improved as a player. My consistency has improved uh, a lot. And, uh, and, and I know that, uh, you know, uh, that, that, uh, that the opportunities, you know, if stars align again, that the opportunities uh, will be there for me if I keep playing at this level. So uh, I think that streaming has made it so that my play is much more consistent and that, uh, you know, that practice is everything. I mean, yeah, I'm streaming, you know, 20, 25 hours a week playing this game yeah. um that kind of practice is just going to make me see plays uh more easily at the tournament table than i would if i were not practiced or if i were rusty or something like that mm -hmm. i think that the streaming has really gotten me tapped into the metagame in a way that i was not tapped into the metagame previously you know at this point i know what people are playing any given day of the week i know what like all the most you know recent up-to-date deck lists are playing i know what all the most recent up-to-date matchups are uh i know all that stuff like the back of my hand because i'm just so embedded in the game and i'm practicing so yeah. much that uh it's made uh yeah it's definitely translated for sure now you you said you know uh, pro players and that's a thing um i do kind of uh, have like a, a, a kind of funny story kind of leading into this question where whenever i first started playing i was i was watching your streams and i was playing on ladder trying to get better um mm -hmm. grinding those games out and uh I actually ended, and this is ladder play, so it's not like anything big deal, but uh, I actually ended up playing it against you. I was like, I saw, and you're like, oh, Pinox. I'm like, oh, crap, I'm playing him. I don't want to stream stripe, snipe him, but so I kind of threw it to the side while I was playing you. I think you ended up like crushing me, but um, with that being said, <laughs> you know, with all these competitive online events um, and stream sniping being a possibility, do you find that that's an issue or anything like that? Like, are you afraid of people kind of getting an unfair advantage on you since you are, you know, one of those players that are more at the forefront of of the of the pokemon players no i'm i frankly am not worried at all about it as an mm -hmm. issue to me playing online is just for fun uh i don't think of it as anything other than that uh to me the to me you know i'm, I'm kind of a purist in that way i mm -hmm. i think that tabletop play and tabletop tournaments that's those are the events that I'm like really invested in. And those are the events that I'm most anxious to get back to yeah. uh, online tournaments to me. It's especially like online tournaments, uh, competing for digital packs and things like that. Yeah. No entry fees. Like uh, the stakes are low. So like uh, stream sniping, like uh, what are the stakes? You know, I mean, yeah, like sure. if I lose, what have I lost? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My time. <laughs> exactly. My yeah. pride. Like uh, those things are expendable. That's fine. You know, um, so no, uh, there's not a lot of fear there. Um, if you're grinding, like for me, okay. So like the most, uh, the most high stakes tournaments, um, that there are, uh, you know, online right now for me, in my opinion, are the players cup ones. Those are the ones that I would want to, uh, have the best finishes for. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, so like grinding keys, you know, for players cup on stream, 
uh, is, is a little bit tough, you know, because I have to worry about, you know, you got these eight pods, right? So if like everybody who's watching the stream knows what deck I'm going to pick going into an eight pod, they could very easily counter that deck, right? So yeah. the solution for me is that I just basically don't stream my player's cup keys. Uh, because if I have, you know, 500 people watching and <laughs> they see that I'm going in with Lucario yeah. Melmetal, I'm about to hit a bunch of fire decks. And yeah, it's just like, sure. you know, yeah. so it's just not worth it, you know? Um, so I just won't stream those. Uh, now, for a lot of streamers, content creators, playing in the online tournaments is an opportunity to produce content, right? Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, tournaments are exciting. Even if you're competing for digital packs and things like that, or just, you know, uh, for bragging rights and, and all of that, um, that can be exciting um, and can be a cool opportunity for content creators to create content. But I think like if, if you're, for me, if I'm a content creator and I know that I am, I am streaming uh, my game, uh, I know that there is absolutely no way to police stream sniping. You just yeah. can't. There's just like, you're either going to suffer. You're always, you're either going to compromise the content Right. By putting like a huge stream delay on or yeah. a hand blocker or something. Yeah, nobody like that. wants to watch that. <laughs> Nobody wants to watch that. So you're either going to compromise the content or you're going to um, or you're going to potentially compromise your performance with if somebody decides. Just, I think the in an ideal world, just don't 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 stream snipe. Just don't do that. If you want to be part of the competitive community, just just on your honor, just don't do it. Right. Be a good be a good person. Just yeah. don't do that. Right. Uh, I think if everybody just took that attitude and just decided to be a good sport right? Then yep. the problem would be alleviated, but it only takes a couple of bad apples in order to ruin it for everybody because, you know, the content is great and it's a great opportunity for content creators to create, but just knowing that going in as a content creator, you just, that's just a risk. It's like a risk of driving a car is that you might get into a crash. It's just, that's just a risk of content creating. And there's no, you can, you can, uh, you could try your best to prevent it. But like, I think ultimately as a content creator, you just have to take the higher road. You can't be in your chat like, oh, are they strike? Are they stream sniping? Are the oh no, this dude is this dude, and he made that play, man, and that yeah. play seems super sus, man. Because is that good content? No, man, oh, no. no, that's not good content. So, like, as a streamer, you have to take the higher road because you're just gonna look like an ultimate duder if you're out there like, oh my gosh, dude, that guy totally was there. And then what if he wasn't? Then you're just like, you know what I mean? What yeah, if they yeah. were in your face? You know, <laughs> You know, then you just look like a bad sport all the same. Uh, or you just look salty, you know, you yeah. just, you just, nobody you wants just to salty. watch a salty uh, content creator. I yeah. don't think. No. <laughs> so you just, it's just a risk of doing it. And, you know, all of the highest stakes tournaments, you don't have to play while streaming. You don't, you know, I'm streaming players yeah. go, you know, you don't have to do all of that. Uh, and if it's something that you're really that worried about, then you're either going to have to choose to sacrifice one, either the content, uh, you know, or the, uh, or the tournament performance. So definitely. Yeah. Is there on a, on a different note with, with your performances online and streaming, is there, uh, speaking of like experiences and things, is there a favorite experiences since while you've been Twitch streaming of things that you've had happen during gameplay or anything like that, uh, that stands out to you? I, I know I was going to ask you like your favorite experience, but it sounds like winning the regional, uh, top that. <laughs> Uh, so, like, while you've been streaming, is there a, a memorable experience uh, of of note to with a story behind it, possibly? Yeah, um, the most memorable experience I've had while streaming was definitely the uh, um, the Nick Bailey charity event that we did last year. Um, 
it was uh, my buddy Nick, when I was talking earlier about my buddies in the game, my buddy Nick passed away from brain cancer uh, a few years ago. And we do, you know, kind of a fundraiser tournament, you know, in his uh, memory every year. And, you know, with COVID hitting, that was not an option. So we, it was the first year we really took our fundraiser online mm-hmm. and uh, just did it kind of as like a marathon stream instead. And it was an incredible experience. Uh, we raised uh, we raised a bunch of money for this uh, girl, Phoebe, and her family. And it was, uh, it was really memorable. That was definitely the, uh, I think, the most memorable experience I've had streaming so far, uh, as far as just uh, the community coming together under you know one cause and really doing something good and mm-hmm. meaningful so that was definitely my my favorite experience as far as tournaments go uh doing the uh doing the the players cup invite was very exciting that was the first kind of kickoff event uh, mm-hmm. i got to compete against you know toward henry brand michael pramwa pablo um and uh and really had some fun with that ended up uh getting to play against toward in the finals of of that event uh having pokemon kind of produce the hype video for that was uh was was pretty exciting so that was definitely rad as well awesome awesome um yeah i mean we could talk pokemon all day and we've had you longer than i anticipated in the first place Uh, i do want to say next time you do have that um your charity event just let us know or let you know link to all the socials we i I missed it i know um still being new to the community and probably just missed it um but yeah let us know we'll definitely be a part of that um but with that being said thank you for being on and do you have any shout outs or plugs that you want to want to have here yeah absolutely a huge shout out to the community on tricky gym those you guys that uh that watch me on twitch and youtube thank you guys so much for the viewership and uh thank you guys for being a part of the pokemon community uh want to shout out to full grip games definitely a big shout out to full grip games if you haven't already check them out uh online supporting full grip games supports the content that i create on twitch and youtube so it means a lot we're always buying cards so if you uh, got extra cards to sell make sure to check out our buy list <laughs> plug <laughs> ad <laughs> uh, but really, all my friends, it's like, I say this all the time, but all my friends work there. It's like, it just, you know, Natalie works there, Matt works there, Sean works all my homies work there. So like it, uh, you know, it doesn't even feel like I'm selling out when I'm supporting the shop there. It, no, uh, definitely not. <laughs> it's like, I'm just supporting, I'm just supporting the homies. Uh, and uh, shout out to uh, my lovely girlfriend, I guess recently, Not fiance. Anymore, right? <laughs> yeah, fiance, Natalie. Uh, she does so much to support the channel and uh, so much to support the shop of Fulgriff Games. She's uh, absolutely amazing and uh, has played a huge role in the growth of the uh, of the channel over the last few years. Sure. And uh, yeah, and that's that's it for my shout outs. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Not a problem. Yeah, thanks again for coming on. And uh, we'll have to make a trip to sell some of our bulk and say hi in person uh, whenever you know COVID's over yeah. with. But uh, yeah, thanks again for coming on. And thank you, Chuck, for coming on in uh, short notice to replace um, Nick, the Duke of Hobbies. Um, I think that's just going to about do it for us. So uh, thanks for listening. Thanks again. See you next time. Later. Thank you again for listening to the Triple P Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at PitPokePod. You can join our Facebook group and Discord server to play and chat all things Pokemon. 
check out our YouTube channel and we stream openings, matches, and events on twitch.tv slash Pittsburgh Pokemon Podcast.